Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Guys, tonight, I, I want to just come out and just start. You know, I don't want to kind of beat my way into this and really slowly, I just want to start. I want to go the whole night tonight. So just get ready. Um, if you have notes, take them. If you don't, that's okay. Pay attention. Pull out your phones if you need to. I just want to go right in. Before I do, though, I have to, for due diligence sake, because Pastor Brandon asked me to, and I'm going to do it. Um, we got a Christmas sweater celebration party in not one week, but two weeks? Next week? Next week? Next week. See, that's how much I know about it, guys. Uh, come with your ugliest Christmas sweater. I swear, if you come with a mirror and you walk up to me, we're going to fight. Um, but... It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a, someone's laughing too hard in the second row over here. She's like, yeah, you are. No, it's okay. Um, Yeah, so come dressed up in your ugly Christmas sweaters, and we're going to have fun. We're going to eat a lot of food. It's going to be really cool. If you were here for our Thanksgiving celebration, we set up a bunch of tables. I think we're doing something similar to that and just having a really fun night. Now, moving on. The title of tonight's message, the title of tonight's message is Don't Go Back to the Temple. Don't go back to the temple. Um, We are kind of halfway in, not really, but somewhat in a series on worship. And so that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, But to set the table for what this title, Don't Go Back to the Temple, really means, uh, in John chapter 4, verse 20, John chapter 4, verse 20, it says this, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now, if anybody has seen The Chosen, they're going to know a lot about what this message is about tonight. That's an amazing TV show. Go look it up, thechosen.com. It's delicious. But in this little section of scripture, Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. Samaritan and Jews don't like each other. You think we have racial tension and all these issues? Jerusalem, I mean, the Jewish people and the Samaritan people did not like each other. They hated each other. They thought, you know, you're disgusting, you're gross, you're pretentious, and you're a little, and they did not do well together. In fact, the Jerusalem people, like the uh, Jerusalem people, the Jews, uh, they actually tore down the temples where they, the Samaritans would worship in Samaria. That's how, like, violent this was. This was not a good setup. They were violent. They were aggressive. They hated each other. Jesus, on the other hand, had a different idea about the Samaritan people. He finds himself, instead of going around Samaria uh, Samaria to go to the people, he actually goes right in the heart of Samaria to find this one woman. This woman is upset. She is an adulterer, so she's had like a lot of husbands, so that's a little awkward, right? She's got some problems. Maybe someone in the room can understand having problems. But she is having this dialogue with Jesus, and she tells him, hey, I can't even go and worship my God. We serve the same God. You may hate me because she doesn't realize he's Jesus. You may hate me because you're a Jewish man, but I can't even go to God and worship because the temple is in Jerusalem and I live in Samaria and I can't go. But Jesus then turns to her and says, hey, a time is coming and it is here now where you're not going to have to go to that mountain or this mountain or Jerusalem to the temple, hello, to worship. But instead, you are going to be someone who worships in spirit and in truth. So tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. Now, tonight, this message was super like, 
random in my heart. I'll, be tell, I'll tell you what, before this moment, I'll, I'll just tell the moment. So like two weeks before fall retreat, who went to our fall retreat? I see some people repping the gear. I got my shirt on here. It's awesome. Uh, Denver, I'm going to get you a shirt after service. I promise we're going to make it happen. Um, but I had this encounter with the Lord. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not. Most of us should know it. I don't know if everyone knows it, but God still speaks to people today and he does it in some crazy and some profound ways. Uh, There's these things in the Bible that the prophets used to have called visions where God would literally give them a super clear mental picture in their heads of something he's trying to show them or tell them, right? So believe it or not, I had one of these. It was incredibly cool. And I'll read it to you right now exactly how it went because it was super profound and super really basic at the same time. So you guys ready for that? This is super interesting. Maybe, we'll see. Okay, I'm just gonna read it exactly how I wrote it so I don't butcher it. About a week and a half before fall retreat, it was a week and a half, not two weeks. A week and a half before fall retreat, the Lord gave me this vision. In this vision, I'm preaching to a group of young people, similar to yourself, um, and I asked them, what is worship? And from the crowd, a young, a young man yelled out, it's singing to God songs. And I replied to him and said, can the mute worship then? After that, someone else yelled out, worship is hearing the songs and participating. And I replied to that person. I said, well, can the deaf worship then? Somebody who can't hear, can they worship? Finally, one more person yelled out and said, worship is raising your hands and clapping. And for the last one person, I replied, well, then can the maimed or somebody who's had their limbs amputated, can they worship? And, and the overwhelming answer to this is, of course, and that's the end of it. That was it, right? And I, I just, okay, the vision's done. And I came to myself and I realized, man, like, obviously, yes, you can worship if you don't have hands. You can worship if you can't speak. You can worship if you can't hear. But, but I've, I've kind of come to this place where I realize I treat worship more as a physical thing than a spiritual thing. I don't know where I learned that. Honestly, I don't know. And, and I, oh, here, let's keep going back to it. I'm gonna, here we go. So like, when we lose sight of the purpose behind we, like why we do things, the, the thing we do becomes useless. If we lose sight of the purpose of brushing our teeth, we don't do it. If we lose sight of the purpose of maybe taking a shower, we don't do it, right? There's some consequences. <laughs> some middle school, you know, goes, whew, sheesh. I mean, back when I was in middle school, I never showered at like fall retreat. So like day three, I'm like literally smell like death. It's like, what died? Oh, it's Matt. Um, that, that was me. But what's funny is when we lose sight of the purpose of like brushing our teeth or taking a bath, there's really obvious consequences. You smell, bro. Hey, hey, <laughs> back up, my guy. Here's a tic-tac, like you're gross, right? We, we can recognize these, these consequences of losing the focus, losing the purpose, losing our why. But with worship, it's not so easy to tell. Because you could have hands lifted, but hearts numb. You could be bowed down, but not surrendered. You could do all the right things, clap your hands, sing the song, do a little jig, whatever it is, and you could be completely disengaged and have no idea why you're doing what you're doing, but you're doing it. And that's scary to me. <laughs> and and when, I, when I finished this moment with the Lord and, and I started to pray, I just came to this overwhelming sense that I needed to repent. 
We needed to repent of what we thought worship was. And so if you're, if you're well, I'm gonna pray for us. I need to pray for us. I think that's good. I'm getting a little too excited here. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Help me tonight. Help everyone in this room to cut through the legalism, cut through the ritual, cut through our preconceived notions of what it means to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray that you would, you would allow us access to a greater level of your wisdom and your revelation on this topic. God, I thank you that there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no junior Bible, although we do make junior Bibles, you know, kids' Bibles and stuff. There's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no junior God. So God, I pray that you meet us because you can meet us exactly where we're at. I, God, I pray you help me to articulate and make things clear and concise. Help me to say things I don't, I need to say and don't say things I don't need to say, Lord. We trust you. We believe you. God bless the Warriors and the Lakers. Amen. All right, just bringing it at home. I'm not a bandwagon. It's okay. Point number one, you guys ready? Uh, we need, we slash I need to repent. Now, you typically see when I put a, a thing up where it's like, we need to repent, that, that includes me in it, right? But in this one, I really intentionally put, I need to repent. So this is something really interesting. I'm going to apologize to everyone in the room tonight. Right here. <laughs> it's awkward. <laughs> Anybody else don't like apologizing? Like if you did something wrong, it's like, man, this is, this is an uncomfortable feeling. Like you punch your sister. It's like, mm, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm feeling right now. I repent. Repent means change my mind. Repent means I don't want to do the same things the way I've been doing them. We always say it's a flipping a 180. Well, I don't think we need to flip a 180 in our worship. I don't think we're like worshiping Satan right now. Like that's, that's not the case. We need more like a little pivot. We're not doing a full 180. We're just adjusting course correction. You're on the road and you're driving, but you're just starting to veer a little bit. We're just doing a small repentance tonight. And I want to start by saying, I'm sorry for saying stuff like, why isn't the room engaged? Because nobody's hands are up. That's on me. Like I've gotten up here and I've talked to people. I've talked to students and I said, hey, I saw your hands weren't, weren't up and you weren't clapping. In fact, you sat down in your chair why weren't you engaged in worship? I don't know who made me the authority on what worship is, but that you can worship sitting in your seat. I wish Noah was here. Michael somewhere where you get there is Noah. Noah, I can't even pronounce your name. Kilo Kaloa Like I can't pronounce his last name. Noah. My first time ever meeting Noah, his brother over here. He was literally just sitting in the corner, writing in his his little his little binder and drawing, right? And I came up to him, I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's just drawing. And I was like, hey, why don't you try doing that during worship? And he's like, Pastor Matt, that is heretical. Like, he didn't even say heretical, like heretical. Like, anybody in this room know what that means? Like, he, he's like, no, I never do that. I want to be, I want to be devoted to the Lord. I want to be focused, hands high, you know, right? And, and I'm like, okay, well, try it because that's your gifting that you're laying down before God in worship. So the first Wednesday he ever did it, right? He sits down in the back right over there where Jeremiah is sitting and he's sitting right there and I, I see him just going. I glance back, I'm like, what's going on? I'm excited, what's going on? And he's drawing and after service he comes up to me and he, he shows me this picture and he drew a picture of a man with chains that were like labeled depression and fear and, and ups, like anger and all this stuff. And he said that God was breaking the chains off those, that man's life. And he said, he feels like God wants to do that for everyone in the room. 
And I was just like, oh, that is good, right? Like, it's so good, right? But it, what did it do? It broke down what I, my preconceived notions of what worship is. Worship can look like sitting there and drawing what the Lord's showing you. Worship can sit there with a heart that's just, man, I am burning for you, Lord. But I'm completely still. I'm not clapping. I'm not even singing the songs. I'm completely still. Heart's affection toward you. I'm, I'm here, Lord. Oh, you're mine. I love you. Thank you. You're so good. But I apologize because I've done this to everybody in this room before. I've done it to myself. I'm like, Matt, why aren't you engaged? Like, muster up the strength to just, <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, you do that to yourself. And maybe you even feel bad when you're worshiping and worship time comes and you don't feel like, man, why? I, I should raise my hands, but I don't feel it. So is this bad that I don't feel it? Do I raise it anyway? Okay, fake, faith it till you make it, fake it till you make it. I'm going to go. So I apologize for that. <sighs> Repentance, it's just changing your heart, changing your mind about this. Point number two, point number two. It's going to be a little bit faster after that. Worship starts on the inside. Worship starts on the inside. In Mark chapter four, we know that the whole kingdom of God is set up like a farm, right? I know all of you guys are avid farmers in the room here in TKK, Fort Mill, South Carolina, like, woo, agriculture, right? Like the FFA, right? Like, like that's a big group. Um, But in like other parts of the world, farming is very common and real. In, In Mark chapter four, He talks about the whole kingdom of God is like a farm. You sow seeds, the seeds grow and produce fruit. That is how the kingdom works. You don't just wake up one day and fruit is there. You sow seeds to see that fruit. I don't know, like, again, I don't know if this is like our church thing. I don't know if it's a me thing. I don't know if it's a, like the church as a global body thing, or if it's a Western church thing, like the, like the United States thing. But there is something about physical expression of worship as being the only thing. And, and, and let's just call it like this. So let's call any physical expression, like, like clap. Somebody clap your hands. Just clap. All right, just one clap. I, you overachievers in the, in the side of the room. There's clapping. There's raising your hands. There's jumping. I have a little jump in the middle of worship and you get into it, right? There's that. There's shouting. Woo! If you're ever next to me in worship, I occasionally let one of those out. Let's call all physical, like, that's what worship like, looks like. Let's call that fruit, okay? You, you tracking with me? That's fruit, okay? Okay, let's go over here. This, this root side's scared. Let's call everything that's physical fruit, okay? Okay, good. All right, let's go back to this side because they weren't really sure about it the first time. Everything physical, fruit, right? Okay, clapping, singing, dancing. Woo, yeah, worship. Woo. Okay, good. So if we want to see the fruit of worship, hands high, heart surrendered, we have to first ask ourselves, what are the seeds we're sowing to get there? Because you don't just show up randomly with a heart of worship and being engaged. Have you ever walked in to church before and thought, man, why is everyone so engaged in worship and I'm not? Right? It doesn't just happen one day. There's actually a process of sowing and reaping, sowing and watering and tending the fields and plowing the fields, preparing your heart. And then someday there's a little beep that pops out of the ground, a little leaf, a little stem, and it begins to grow. And what's the, what's the fruit? It's the physical. It's the manifestation of physically worshiping and all that. And so, oh, here we go. David, right? I'm going to get even more undignified. 
He's carrying the altar of God, the, the Ark of the Covenant, into the promised land, right? This is an epic story. I'm going to try and do this without any feedback. This is really scary, guys. I've never done this before. Colin's like, this is going to go really bad. It's going to be okay. So David, he's entering into the city, which is now called the city of David, which is pretty interesting. And he has the Ark of the Covenant. Well, this is the resting place for the presence of God. And somebody, I need a volunteer. Uh, come on, Camden, let's get up here. All right, come on, man. You're, you're, you're pushing the Ark of the Covenant. Don't touch it. That's a good joke. Um, come on, push it forward here. Yeah, you enjoyed that. Um, oh, gentle, gentle, slow. So somebody's pushing this thing in and King David's just like, oh my gosh, God is amazing. And he's dancing around it and he's so excited. Oh, and fun fact, he's barely dressed. He's just in his trousers. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. Everything that's within me, give him praise. Woo! All my days. You're good, thank you. David was a worshiper, right? And we say, man, I want to get even more undignified than this. That's what he told his wife. And she's like, dude, you look crazy. And he's like, I'll get even more crazy. You know, <laughs> you think this is crazy. You just wait, right? You just can't copy that, right? You just can't copy that. There's no level of mimicry that can copy, that can imitate a heart on fire for the Lord. You can copy this. You can copy. You, oh, you can copy that. You can't copy a heart that burns for the Lord. I don't want us to be a people who just do the routine. Now, this is great. I do this every, every single time I worship. I love this. This is my posture. People think it's surrender, and it is. To me, it's like giving God a big old hug. Like, come <laughs> like that's for me that's what I think of when I do worship but it's a posture worship starts on the inside he didn't say worship he says worship is spirit and truth those are two things that are on the inside he doesn't say worship is loud screaming and clapping spirit and truth spirit and truth do you know why we can't just copy because I want to bring God something beautiful David he wanted to purchase this field so he could build the, the Lord a temple, a place to worship him. And the guy who, who owned the field said, hey, you can, you can just take the field for free. Don't even worry about it. You can have it. I understand you're doing a good thing. You're trying to build God a temple. You could do it. And David said, hey, I want to pay for it because I don't want to bring anything to the Lord that didn't cost me something. Let me say that again because nobody got that. I don't want to bring anything to the Lord that hasn't cost me something. Spirit in truth looks like authenticity and humility. Liam Escalante prayed this, this uh, before service. And I know he's like, that was a little uncomfortable, but he did a really good job because he said something that I think God so loves in somebody who wants to pray and somebody who wants to worship. He said, God, I don't know what to do, but I know you know my heart. Authenticity. Oh my gosh. It says that the Father's looking for those spirit and truth. Authenticity. Not put together, not buttoned up, not looking good all the time. I mean, my hair is sometimes crazy. I haven't showered today. I'm a little rank. Not put together, but it's just Authentic. God, I don't know what's going on right now, but thank you. I love you. 
man, life is crap, but your promises are true. Family life is hard, but you say that you want to bring my family together in your word in Malachi chapter four, verse six. God, I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. I've had a rough day. I hit my brother. I kicked a cat. I've been really disengaged at school. I feel bad about it. I'm failing a class, Lord, but, but here I am. Surrender to you, Lord. I, help me. I mean, he can get behind that. He can get behind that quick. He, he actually it says he seeks that. So if you get into this room and you need to worship sitting in your chair, just talking to God about where you're at, come in and just sit down. If you need to come in this room and bow down and lift your hands and sing and, and dance. I know Nora sometimes up here, this, this little, this front row is just like the dancing crew up here. I feel it. I'm, yeah, I'm too, you too, Tiffany. I see you, Tiffany. Yeah, you're right up in that group. I mean, it's like some of our people who are in our L Kids worship team are always like, yeah, let's go. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I'm not hating that. I dig it. I used to do that straight up. You are the sovereign God. Yeah, watch out. Come as you are and just come honest. God, I, I, I don't feel like lifting my hands today, but my heart doesn't, it's not changing. I love you, Lord. Real talk, fall retreat, day two. I got like 103 fever. I'm coughing up a storm. I probably should have went home. You're right. And, and here I am sitting down like slight tear rolling down my eye, not because worship's great, because I'm in so much pain, Right. <laughs> And, and I can't even muster up the, the, the voice to sing. But Lord, I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> You're going to heal me at some point. Man, right now, my body hurts. I'm freezing cold because I have a fever, right? Like my body's like, I love you, Lord. <laughs> Spirit and truth. You get to bring God something beautiful when you worship and, and, oh man, should I tackle it? Should I do it? Just say yes or no. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So has anybody ever been to a concert before or like a sports game, a football game, the Hornets go Hornets, right? LaMelo. Woo. So when you go to a, a sports game or a concert or something, what are you going there for? To be entertained. Yes. To perhaps find a pretzel. Cause that's what I pretty much go like. I'll be in the middle of Disney World. Like, there'll be, like, magical, awesome stuff going on. I'm like, where's the pretzels at? Like, that's, that's what I'm there for, right? You go to be entertained. You go to, to receive, to consume. Worship is not that. Church is not that. Church isn't a concert. Though we do have the kicking band that could probably host a concert and we'd be in. Like, we'd sell tickets, right? This is not a concert. So when we come... We don't come with the same heart that we come with a concert. Entertain me, God. We don't do that. Excite me, God. No, no. <laughs> Make me feel things, God. <laughs> I mean, whatever your motives are. We don't do that. In fact, when we come to church, we come not as consumers, but as contributors. If your worship to the Lord is only for 30 minutes on a Wednesday, I have no comments. <laughs> we should be coming as contributors. What does it say? Give God glory. Has anybody ever heard that? Come on, give God glory. Lift up your hands. Sing it out. Praise him, right? Give God glory. Do you know what you have to have in order to give God glory? glory. A measure of glory. 
If you want to give God honor, you have to first carry a measure of honor to give to him. In the throne room, in Revelation chapter 3, the, 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 the elders that are surrounding him in the throne room are what? They're taking their crowns off and throwing it at the feet of Jesus, saying, you are holy, worthy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the, Lamb, is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they just, all day, every day, continually taking off their honor, their crown, and saying, you're worthy. Do you know what the beautiful thing is that you get to bring to church? What you get to bring as a contributor? It's a heart. You get to bring your heart. Did you know that Jesus came down from heaven to earth to save you for your heart? We had a sin problem. I don't know if you knew that. We were sinners. Sin separated you and I from God. There was a distance, a chasm, so to speak, where we could not be in pure, un, like, unrestricted intimacy and relationship with the Lord. That was broken because of sin. But Jesus said, hey, I don't want to be separate from you. You're too important to me. But here's the crazy part. Sin was punishable by death. It says the wages of sin are death. So if you sinned, according to the Bible, you are guilty and you are deserving of death. But God didn't want that. So he sent Jesus down to earth to be perfect. He didn't have sin. He didn't mess up. He didn't have wrong. And he died on the cross for the sole purpose of wiping away every single sin you've ever done and ever will do. For your heart, for you. He wants you. He's desperately coming after you. And all we have to do to receive that is simply say, Jesus, I believe in you and what you did for me. And that gets applied to your life. You go to heaven. You live in right relationship with God. No matter the sin in your life, you are right with God because of what he did for you, not what you did for you. We come with worship. Point number three. I got to go a little bit faster, guys. I'm sorry. Point number three. We sow seeds of worship on hearts of good soil. That's a, that's a mouthful. Keep that up there for a minute because that one's a little, that's a mouthful. I want to keep that up there so they understand it. So just, I'll tell you when to put it down. And if not, just give it a minute and then take it down because I'm going to forget. Okay, if the kingdom works like a farm, sowing, reaping, sowing, reaping. And we desire to see a certain kind of fruitfulness in our life, right? I want to have a heart that burns for God. I want to worship him all the days of my life, unrestricted, unhindered, fully alive in Christ. We have to ask ourselves this question. What seeds am I sowing and can my heart receive them? What seeds am I sowing and can my heart receive them? Let's focus on my, will my heart receive them or can my heart receive them? A perfect seed given perfect amounts of water, given perfect amount of sunlight, will not grow if it's in the wrong soil. The soil is your heart. Pro tip. The seed is perfect. Gets perfect water, gets perfect sunlight. But if our hearts, Mark chapter four, go back and read it. It's a great read. It talks about four different kinds of hearts. There's one that's a heart that's rocky. It's got a lot of junk in there. There's a heart that has thorns in it. Then there's a heart that's just distant, disengaged, far from the crowd, not plugged in. And then there's one heart that he says is good soil. 
I feel like a lot of people maybe in this room have been sowing a lot of really good seed on really rocky soil. And what's so great about that is all it takes is repentance. Repentance is soil adjustment. It's just simply saying, God, my heart has been really hard toward you because of this. I'm bitter and I'm angry about X, Y, and Z, but I'm sorry, Lord, because I don't want there to be anything between me and you. It's easy to solve a, a hard heart or a rocky heart because we till up our hearts by just being honest and transparent about where we're at with each other and with God. Nate, I'm really worried about money sometimes. I'll be straight with you. I bought a house. Somebody laughed at me earlier today because I'm in a lot of debt and it was very funny. Um, but Christmas is coming and I'm worried about it. Uh, I want to buy gifts for some people. I want to buy gifts for my family and I get really worried about it. And sometimes it causes me to be distracted. Can you pray for me? And he prays for me. And I confess, I have somebody who's helping me in this. I'm not alone in this fight. And then I go to God and I say, God, me and, me and my boy Nate, we know what I'm going through. Can you help me, Lord? You said that I could cast all my cares on you because you care for me, Lord. Take this burden off me in the name of Jesus. And you start to begin to till your heart. All right, that's good. We're gonna, we're gonna keep going from there. If you want a reference on how to till your heart, write down Luke chapter 13, verse five through nine. Luke chapter 13, verses five through nine. That's talking about repentance. If you want to talk to me about that after service, oh, I'd love to talk to you about that. That's one of my favorite little sections of scriptures. Luke chapter 13, verses five through nine. All right, let's talk about sowing seed. We're going to be quick here. We got five-ish minutes. Sowing seed, are you guys ready? Find your thank you. Find your thank you. Someone needs to write that down. That's too good. Find your thank you. Thank you is a dynamic two-word phrase that could change your life forever. And I don't think anyone in the room believes it yet, but I'm going to convince you otherwise. Thank you requires you to recognize you couldn't do it yourself. Thank you. Thank you. It requires you to not look at yourself. To thank me. Like that just sounds gross. Thank you, right? And in the thanking of you, whoever you say thank you to, you recognize, man, I can't do it, but they can. Thank you crushes pride in our life. Thank you and pride can't occupy the same space. Thank you is dynamic. It is a beautiful, beautiful phrase. Psalms 100 verse four, put it on the screen for me, my guy. Thank you for keeping that up there. I forgot about it and you were good to keep it up there. Psalms 100 verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Maybe that sounds like a song. We enter the gates. Yeah, we planned that. Um, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Whew. You guys are not ready for this. This is so good. Okay. I need to get something here. Here we go. Little card. Thanksgiving. No, there's nothing on it. Don't worry. I'm broke. Uh, Thanksgiving is this card. You enter his gates, scan, with Thanksgiving. There are certain places in the kingdom of God you cannot go without thanksgiving. Intimacy with the Lord. His, what did you, we enter his gates. Gates are made to keep people out who don't have the key. God wants you to have the key 
So he put Psalms 100 verse 4 right there for you and me to know the key to enter into his gates. What's on the other side of his gates? And into his courts. Ooh, the courtroom of God, the courts of God, the throne room, so to speak. That's where we go to say, God, I don't understand anything going on in life, but you're good. And you said I could come to you boldly and make any request I want in your name. And you're going to hear me. And you're going to contend for me. And you're going to fight for me. Thanksgiving beep, allows you to enter into worship. So if you come on a Wednesday night or you go home tonight and you say, I'm going to try this worship thing and you have no idea where to start, start by finding your thank you. God, thank you that you died for my sins where I could never do it. You did it for me. God, I thank you that, I'm going to get personal. I thank you, Lord, that when I was a kid and my legs were crippled, my parents prayed for me and you healed me. God, thank you. Woo, come on. God, I thank you for what you said, that you have wiped away every sin and that you see me as innocent, even though I continue to screw up time and time and time again. You're like, no, innocent, pure, holy. We'll put a white robe on you. That's how I view you. God, thank you. <laughs> you know what's so great about thank you? It doesn't have to just do with you. If Kimberly were to fall and bust her knee open and then... Somebody in the room says, I have a Band-Aid and a little bit of medicine to put on her knee. And they run over, they give her a little bit of medicine, put it on her knee. Guess what I'm going to say to that person who helped her? Thank you. Because I am thankful for the blessing of other people. What happens on other people's lives. So I can open my Bible and say, oh my gosh, God, you were... You spared the Israelites from the Egyptians when they were running for their lives. God, thank you. There was a giant about to take out the Israelites and the, they were all afraid, but you sent David and David took him out with a slingshot and a rock. Wow, God, thank you for protecting your people throughout all the ages. Oh my gosh, there was a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. That's not his real name. His name is just Bartimaeus, but he was blind, by the way. You, there was a guy named Blind Bartimaeus, and he was crying out, Lord, son of David, come help me, son of David, help me. And you said, hey, come to me, to this blind Bartimaeus. And blind Bartimaeus comes to you, and you're like, what do you want, blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus is like, I'm blind. And he's like, all right, good, be healed in the name of Jesus. Boom, healed. He didn't say in the name of Jesus, but he said be healed, and he was healed. Thank you, God, for healing people's bodies. Thank you, God, for expressing worship through Noah, through drawing. Oh, my gosh, that warms my heart. Thank you, God, for the call of, uh, the call of God you have on Nick Finns. Thank you, Lord. I see a leader in him, God. Thank you so much for what you're doing in him. Woo, let's go. God, I thank you for the creativity that oozes out of Isaiah DeBanca, young DeBanca. He, he, I mean, Lord, it is so encouraging. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't have to happen to me to be thankful for it. But when you start sowing the seed of thank you, your heart begins to open. And not only does it begin to open, it begins to transform. And then you get into these environments and guess what? Sowing a seed and then seeing the fruit takes time. So you may be sowing thankfulness for a period of time and see no fruit of, woo. Like this still may be uncomfortable for you, but your heart says, I thank you, Lord. I love you. Because it takes time, people. I'm not gonna judge you if you come in here and you're just like, I'm worshiping the Lord right now. I'll be like, great, get it, go, let's go. Like, I'm here to worship. All right, get it. The Lord's hugging you. <laughs> it's time.
that's, that's it, guys. That's it. No, I'm kidding. That's it. I'm, I'm joking. Eucharisteo. There's no way I'm going to tell you how to spell it because I could barely pronounce it. Eucharisteo. It's a word in the Greek that means the blessing. Uh, I'm sorry. Thankfulness precedes the blessing. Thankfulness precedes the blessing. Thankfulness precedes the blessing. Seeds precede the fruit. Thankfulness precedes the blessing. Seeds precede the fruit. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Thankfulness precedes fruit in your life. Thankfulness. The Lord's prayer says, hallowed be thy name. That means to revere, to honor, and to give thanks. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, start with thanksgiving. When, she, when, when, the Lord, when the Bible tells us this is how you worship, it says, start with thanksgiving. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. Begin to cultivate in your life thanksgiving and fight. And I'm telling you, it's a fight because I am this person. Don't complain. Oh, don't do it. Be honest, man, life is tough and this is what I'm going through. But don't give way to complaining. Be honest. Tell me what's going on. Be very candid. I do not want to quench or silence people who are hurting. Never. I don't ever want to do that. So tell us what's going on. Tell people what's going on. Have community, but do not fall into complaining. Complaining will close your heart quicker than you could even imagine. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Point number four, and we're going to end right here. Kimberly, you can come on up whenever you get a minute. No rush. Know that fruit will come. I said it. It takes time. But God is faithful. It says that, I'm sorry, um, Paul sowed the seed, Apollos watered it, but God brought the increase. God is in charge of of bringing the increase in your life. If you're faithful to sow the seeds, you're faithful to take care of it. You're faithful to say, Lord, thank you. Continue to sow good seed. Continue to till your hearts and the seeds of worship will become fruit of worship. And you'll be somebody who worships in spirit and in truth, right? And I, again, because I love this scripture so much, Psalms 150, put it up for me. We're going to read the entire chapter of Psalms 50 to end tonight, okay? Because what I did tonight is I kind of leaned us toward a paradigm where there's a potential for everyone to come in for the foreseeable future and never raise their hands and say, I'm worshiping, Matt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could take it to the extreme that's unhealthy. I'm never going to. The Bible actually instructs us to be physical with our worship. But but what I'm teaching tonight is I want you to, yes, be physical, but I want you to have the heart behind it. That's my message tonight. I want you to have the heart. So you're not just doing routine and repetition and, and habits that you have no idea what they mean or what they, like the significance. I want you to have the heart of worship. So to balance myself tonight, we're going to read Psalms 150, and we're just going to listen to some instructions that talk to us about how to worship, okay? This is so good. We're going to get it. Keep up with me, Brad. I'm going to fly through this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty ferment. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with sounds of, with the sound of a trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the tremble and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. We got them right there. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, 
do we have time to read that one more time? Can we read it one more time? Go back to, to go back to verse one here. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty ferment. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellence, uh, his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the trim the timbre, uh, timbrel, man God, and, and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That is what we get to experience. That sounds fun, doesn't it? With loud clashing cymbals. With dance. I want to get undignified like David. I want to go crazy in this room. I want to push all the chairs out of here and just have a worship pit instead of rows. I mean, I want to go in. And we're called for that. So let's go there. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.